This is Adam Amin from the Those Stories Plus podcast. Before we dive into episode 12, Smokey wanted to make sure you knew that we didn't leave you. We did have a few week hiatus, but just trying to get into the swing of things once again after a pretty long and grueling stretch of broadcast, specifically for me on ESPN and ESPN Radio. So we're back on track. We're excited to be back for episode 12 of Those Stories Plus. Enjoy. Good evening from New York City. I'm Casey McCall alongside Dan Rydell. Those Stories Plus will show why if you haven't seen Davis Love play Pebble Beach, then you haven't seen Shakespeare the way it was meant to be played. College hoops? You want college hoops? How about Syracuse, New York, where the orange men blew the roof off the carrier dome? How about Oklahoma, where the corn's not the only thing high as an elephant's eye? All that coming up after this. You're watching Sports Night on CSC, so stick around. We're out. I'm Adam Amin alongside Steve Cimino. Those Stories Plus, we dive into episode 12 of the first season of Sports Night. One of the best titles, I think, too, in the entire series, Smokey. It's an episode I forgot about, actually, until watching it and was like, yeah. oh, yeah, there's all these good moments in here. There are a lot of moments, I think, that stick out. Signature, I would call them signature moments, and whether they're signature lines or signature scenes, there's a bunch of stuff in here that we all remember, and then it was nice to refresh on and go, oh, my God, this is, these are things that we really enjoyed watching. So we're pumped for it. Episode 12. Well, episode 12, Smokey, the original air date, January 5th, 1999, our first episode in the year of 1999. Written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Robert Berlinger, making his return. Our synopsis out of the wonderful 10th anniversary DVDs. When rumors begin to circulate that Isaac will be leaving Sports Night, certain staffers begin to jockey for the next step up the ladder. Meanwhile, Casey and Dana's smoldering begins to show a little more smoke. So this isn't as bad as the previous two weeks. The the previous two weeks, I feel like, were overly punny and schmaltzy. And this one was, uh, was a little better. I this think. one, I think this guy had like a maybe a an MA in creative writing and was trying to shine with that smolder. Line. Is it is this like being a copywriter and just getting bored with all the copy that you have to write and suddenly you go, let, let me mix it up a little I'm bit. Try something a little different. I here. think he was bored. He did a good job, I gotta say. So Smokey, as I was saying a second ago, an episode that if we were just going title by title and you asked me what it was about, I'd be able to identify the Smokey line. Yeah. The the Casey flirting line. But beyond that, I'd be like, um, how does it start how does it end but pleasantly pleasantly surprised when going through to be like oh yeah that's a great part oh yeah that's a great line a whole lot of good stuff in this episode even though stuff that kind of i kind of put by the wayside for a little bit but it opens up dan and casey in their office and we've got casey kind of getting ready they're getting ready to go on and dan is saying it's time my friend it's time and one of those great sports night in media rest we're right into the smack dab middle of things without knowing what's going on Everything is going okay for these guys, it seems like, as they're getting ready to move in, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. We get a little side note, a subtle little, little through line that the LC wire is going crazy, and somebody has set apparently a record with a 230-foot, 6-inch pole vault, so little things might not be going as perfect as they look right off the bat. I honestly don't know what an LC wire is. I googled is it. not a real thing? I, I don't know if it is. I know what the wire is. Uh, there's such thing as the AP wire. I've heard of The Wire. The Wire, yeah. yeah. What's on The Wire? And that's basically the news service that, that gives you all the updated stories and sometimes scores and all that. But I, I don't know what the LC Wire is. I'm, I, It makes it sound more technological than the AP Wire. The AP Wire is a service. LC Wire makes it sound like there's something wrong in the wiring itself. Or something. I, I have no clue what the <laughs> LC Wire is. Is there an off chance that possibly... They couldn't get approval to say AP wire. Maybe, maybe. But again, I think I think later in the episode they're kind of making it sound like the LC wire is malfunctioning or something like that. So I think it's a technological thing. 
Well, as they get going, we get, I think I wrote in my notes, the classic walk and talk, where as they're walking and talking, people are passing off papers. This is like picture perfect walk and talk as they go. We find out that Casey apparently is ready to meet some women, or Dan thinks Casey should be ready to meet some women. It's time to get out there. It's time to go. And we get some good background here. Finally, some some specific ages and dates. Casey was married to Lisa at 23. They met when he was 19, so they must have been married a little over 10 years, which makes sense. About 10 years. I and, think and Charlie's, I think, what, 8 years old? I think so, and you and I had... Uh Casey right around 33, 34-ish in that range. So that would make a lot of sense. So he's one of those uh, first long-term relationship, lock it up into a marriage kind of situations. Listen, I went to Valparaiso University. It's a small Lutheran college. Everybody was was in on that. Everybody I know got (laughs) married when they were like 23, 24 years old, straight out of college pretty much. That's why you went to college, I think, at Valpo. (laughs) you You went there to meet your wife. Well, maybe. Well, I don't think we find out where they went to college. Did they go to college? In- no, I don't think they went to college together, right? Didn't we, didn't we discuss this? Because Dan went to an Ivy League school in yeah. Dartmouth. And I think we kind of, we, we, this is never confirmed, but we were kind of all in on Casey being a Syracuse guy. Yes. Because they, you know, they played Miami and, you know, it's a broadcasting school and Aaron Sorkin went to Syracuse. So maybe he felt, you know, let's under the radar. I, I don't think there's ever any confirmation that Casey goes to Syracuse or what school he went to. I don't think we hear it one time, at least not in the first 12 episodes, but I don't think they went to college together. An educated guess, though, puts him in Syracuse. I think it, I think it puts him in Syracuse. Which also puts Dana at Syracuse. Exactly. And which apparently puts Lisa at Syracuse. So they were all orange. Well, at the time, they were all orange men and women. They were uh, orange men and orange women. <laughs> now they're just the orange, which the actually orange. which actually comes up like as soon as these guys start their show. Speaking of the show starting, we cut over into the control room. Dana's trying to get some information from the UCLA-Arizona game, and Jeremy gives a classic nerd town Jeremy response. Jeremy? Yes? Tell me the story so far in UCLA-Arizona. The story, Dana, is shooting percentage. Shooting percentage and offensive glass. Last I checked, UCLA was 12 for 24 from the field, 1 for 6 at the stripe. Arizona's press forced 12 turnovers, which led to 15 points. The Cats, needless to say, were dominant in the paint, and McDuffie's got four fouls. That is the story. Jeremy. Yes. What's the score? Wow. Jeremy. Devil's in the details. He leaves out the most important thing. What's the score? (laughs) When you're the play-by-play announcer, the first thing that you get drilled into your head, especially when you're doing radio, because you're sitting in your car or, you know, you're, you're on the porch or, I don't know, for some reason in my head it's 1954 and you're <laughs> drinking tea. But you have to give the score as often as possible, uh, as much as you can. You have to update the score because what's the one thing that everybody needs to know that they can't know when they sit down and listen to the radio is the score. It's not like watching TV where you have there's no, graphic know, yeah, there's no graphics you, on radio. You have all the graphics in the world on TV and they have the score bug and it tells you how much time's left, etc. You have to do that on the radio. So I just thought that was funny. That relates directly to me where it's like, Give me the most important thing first, and then give me all the fluff later. I think that plays perfectly to Jeremy's character too, because if we go back to his first, his first highlight, his edit, first highlight, yeah. it was eight minutes long because he was putting all these little tiny details that weren't important without getting to just the scoring, just the facts. He gives all those details, no score. No, I forgot, I forgot about the score. So that that plays. I devils like that, in the, I like de- that the, the devils in the, in the details, man. As we go back to the desk, we see Dan and Casey still going back and forth. I love this little banter about things have changed. It's different out there, and. Uh, <laughs> Casey's response, everyone still wears shoes, right? Oh, do they ever? Do they ever? It's just good stuff with those two playing back and forth. Uh, and as they do their tease for the episode, I think we get a little bit of a Sorkinism. At least it's come up so. in one form or another where Casey says, 
you haven't seen Shakespeare the way it was meant to be played. We definitely heard him say that about uh, Archibald, a.k.a. Russell, and talking about the Negro League, seeing baseball the way it was meant to be played. And I believe this comes up somewhere, maybe West Wingy, that same line as well. It was the West Wing, and it was Rob Lowe's character telling Mallory about the jackal. Remember the jackal scene in the West Wing? And we're going to go in there, and we're going to watch C.J. do the jackal. And believe me, if you haven't seen C.J. do the jackal, then you haven't seen Shakespeare the way it's meant to be done. We're going to watch C.J. do the jackal, then we're going to get a late dinner after which I may or may not kiss you goodnight. I really do enjoy that. That's a nice line. I dig that a lot. Like, I'd like to, another line I think I'd like to use in everyday language, and I don't think I've ever had. I, I just haven't been sharp enough to use it at any point. I think I, I want go to. For it. When I was in London over the summer, we went to the Globe Theater and I saw a performance of Macbeth. So I can say that I have seen, I have <laughs> Shakespeare, seen Shakespeare the way, the way it was, it was meant, meant to be played. played. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'm pretty, <laughs> hey, I've done it. And I got to say, it is fantastic. It's not bad. This scene comes to an end with a, a nice little zinger again, dancing. You know the biggest difference? The biggest difference between what? The biggest difference between women then and women now. What? You're on television. You're on television. That's, that's perfect. Like, hey man, you're now on TV. You're Casey McCall. I'll say this. I think... Okay, yeah, it, it's, ha- it's, it's helped me. It's helped me. The fact that I'm on TV now has actually been a major <laughs> boost. I hate to admit it, and, and I think I hate to admit it because I, it, I don't know what that says about me as a normal person like before I got on TV, so I was totally undateable or totally unappealing as a human <laughs> being. But now that I'm on TV, it's okay. It's okay to, to, to talk to me or date me or whatever because, oh, he's on TV. Oh. That's, the big, that's the big thing. And, I like, mean, I, I've had so many women text me while I'm doing a game and say, you just came on at the bar that I'm at or whatever, and I just kept bragging to all my girlfriends <laughs> that I know you. That seems to be a common a common thread. So the TV is maybe the only thing that I have going for oh, me, but that, 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 that was sure certainly a big help. I can't say. It can't be. The, no, you've got a lot to offer, first of all. Oh, you're but sweet. You're a sweet man. I'll say it goes all over the place because I'm sure I've mentioned on the show before, whenever you're on TV – Somebody sends me a text. It's an <laughs> uncle. It's a friend. It's somebody that knows we do this being like, hey, your guy's on TV right now. Your, guy, your guy's on like, TV. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what he does. Uh, without fail, every single Friday, I do the Friday night college football package on ESPN. Every single Friday night, without fail, somebody has been at a sports bar somewhere <laughs> in the country and has sent me a screenshot or a photo of them sitting at the bar looking up and there's me and Mac Brown on the TV and sending me that photo. I get to act all casual. I get to be like, he was on my couch like three days ago. Yeah, we were just but, hanging out. You know, he's, he's we had We had Big Star Taco together. <laughs> <laughs> well, we go to a commercial and we come back. Uh, this scene, my first note right off the bat was, I do not like the beginning of this scene. I do not like Dana at the beginning of this scene. And it's not her. It's the delivery of it. As Dana comes in saying, I got a note. You want to talk to me about a note? And she freaks out because Isaac never sends notes, right? So Isaac has apparently said, I'd like to speak to you. And she doesn't like that. He keeps telling her, sit down, sit down. I really don't like the, if it's going to be bad news, I'd at least like to sit line after he tells it. I don't know why. I don't know. You're looking at me like you're a was this too so, Was this too sorkin for you? Was this too sorkin like too back and forth? Like uh, was this was this undeveloped maybe uh, a sorkin banter, sorkin meter, if you want to call it? Maybe. That might be it. Because something about Dana being a smart lady who's just blatantly ignoring Isaac, which would never happen. It was very sorkin but like sorkin at his at his most slapsticky, yeah, 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 sitcom yeah. kind of thing. Was that out of character, you think, for Dana? Because oh, she wouldn't, she wouldn't do that, right? I mean, like, everybody goes, else does that. Jeremy she, does that. As she leaves the room, she goes right into normal Dana, where she, right. she kind of grabs Natalie right off the bat. But as she walks in, I don't know, that scene has always kind of bugged me. That little line, the, I'd at least like to sit. I'm just kind of like, all right, lady. That one, that one missed for me. 
I don't know. You're looking at me still like I'm crazy, but I'm telling you. That's no, I, I don't think I, I don't think it's 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 crazy, but it's the first time anybody's ever brought that up. That's well. Granted, it's the first time I've ever done a podcast about this entire <laughs> show. It's not like I've been doing one for the last several years, and you're the first one to bring that up. You're, I mean, but I've never thought about it that way. Before. In all of your other scene by scene <laughs> yeah, discussions exactly. of this episode, <laughs> well, we find out that. Isaac wants to start grooming Dana for his job. We get the continuation of the Six Southern Gentlemen storyline where Luther Sachs is mad. Yep. He, he's been fuming at Isaac. Isaac says he's been looking for an opportunity to fire me. It's going to come. He won't fire a black executive right now, though, because firing a black executive for doing a race-related piece is going to be bad PR, right? But he knows it's coming. He's waiting for it. And he wants the show to go the way he wants it to go. He wants it to go to Dana. She's not having this at all. She's very loyal. This is where that loyalty comes up. Absolutely. And she doesn't want anything to do with this meeting. And maybe, going back to your point about kind of how she comes in, maybe she had a sense that this was the meeting. This was what the meeting was going to be about. Because as soon as Isaac brings it up, her reaction is, nope, don't want to talk about it. Yeah, nope, you better we're be not, talking we're, about my haircut. Exactly. We're talking mind. about something else. This is not it. I don't need to know about this. Doesn't matter. We get her kind of saying, well, what would you do? You love doing this. What would you do? And he says, organic gardening. I've always wanted to try organic gardening. I don't really know what it is, but I like the sound <laughs> of it. So he wants to do organic gardening. And, of course, he ends this conversation saying, Dana, don't tell anybody. Like, don't make a scene out of this. I just wanted to tell you this is going on. And, of course, as she leaves, she immediately meets Natalie as they kind of, like, merge into one another. And... She tells her everything. She tells her the whole story. I love Dana's conversation in this when she's like, when I have a thought in my head, I just want it to die. And it's like, <laughs> like she doesn't. She has no desire to be a leader. She has no desire to, to put this together. Or maybe she does, but she's not letting Isaac in on it. I do love just the end of that scene. Is I, I agree with you. The end of the scene is much better than the beginning. And then we get that beautiful transition right into being Dana again. Oh, yeah. oh Natalie's here. I'm going to tell her everything. I mean, 90% of that scene I really like and the back and forth between uh, Isaac and Dana, except for that opening line. It yeah. just drives me crazy. And then right into the Natalie conversation. I love Natalie right back into being adorable here where she kind of stops and is staring off into the distance and Dana says, you're thinking about redecorating my office right now, aren't you? But of course she is. Why wouldn't she? Natalie, she's looking to get out of there. She wants to move up, it seems like, but in the best way, in the best way. I think so, too. We go to a new scene, and we've got a big old flirtatious scene going on between Sally and Casey. Sally Brenna Strong, she's back. They're discussing apparently a game, a basketball game she played it in college where she injured herself. It's a it's a nice little scene where Sally's being real aggressive. You are wrong. No, I'm not. Uh, you want to make a bet? I don't want to take your money. They weren't going to play Virginia in the next round. They were going to play Louisiana Tech. You were going to play Louisiana yeah, Tech. We were going to play Clemson. That's when I injured my ankle. It was your knee, and it was against Louisiana Tech. <sighs> this is my ankle. No doubt about it. It was injured playing Clemson. Came out of it okay. I really like the flirting in this. I think it's it's... It's a little obvious. I think it's almost a little too aggressive, but I enjoy it. I think it's funny, just the the extremes. I don't think this is really how it would happen. Uh, I I don't think Casey would be that suddenly awkward yeah. that the a woman you she know throws her leg up there. That's this is my ankle. Yes, yes it, it is. is. <laughs> yeah, like I I just don't and, it, and the way he leans back in his chair and he tenses up all of a sudden like. I don't think one person would be that aggressive, and I don't think the other person would be that awkward about it. I think it would be a little bit more balanced out. But for the sake of comedy in this scene, I did actually enjoy it. Because I'm, I'm like you. You watch the Dana scene, and something doesn't sit right with you about it. Something didn't sit right about this scene with me either, with Sally and Casey flirting, or at least one of them doing it. But for the sake of the scene, and for the sake of the comedy of it, for the slapstick of it, I actually did kind of enjoy it. I really like... Dan just switching immediately to like don't 
do anything <laughs> involving Sally. He's just so anti-Sally right off the bat. I love that. I mean, we've seen Casey be awkward. A couple episodes ago, we saw Casey not be awkward and be like, and, and that's suave. And that's why what I'm talking about, I don't think all of a sudden that because a tall woman is putting her leg up that he's forgotten how to be charming. Yeah. I just don't, and he I don't denies, see that. As, as Dan says, you were flirting. He was, I missed the whole thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. As if he was unaware of it all happened. I, that, that's a lie. I don't think that's right. I, you know what? I'm with you on this. I'm, I, something about these couple of scenes just doesn't sit right with me. I don't think this is regular human interaction. Not to say that anything <laughs> Sorkin has ever written is completely regular human interaction, but something about these doesn't sit right with me. Speaking of not regular human interaction, Sorkinism, as Dan says, don't lie to me. Don't treat me like I'm other people. I'm not right? other people. Yeah. That's it's a, a great story. It's a classic Sorkinism. It's hey, me. It's me you're I'm not other to. people. So I, uh, the whole run here, and I think we should play this for everybody, because the whole run that Dan has, th this is what we were talking about when, it, when we think of signature moments of this episode and maybe we couldn't pinpoint where it was, but we remember the scene itself. I think this is one of those scenes. You were flirting. No, we weren't. You were flirting with Sally. I wasn't conscious of it. Conscious or not, you were doing it. Was Sally flirting with me? Yes, indeed she was. I missed the whole thing. Thank God I got here when I did. I'm not going to go out with Sally. You don't have to go out with her. She was stripping down right here. We were talking about women's college basketball. Oh, Casey, please. I'm not other people. I know. And I know I said it was time, but just to be clear about something, it's not time for that. It's not time to dally with Sally. Dan? That was an unfortunate rhyme, but still. What's your problem with Sally? Look at her. I don't think she's of this world. You don't think she's of this world? I do not. What world do you think she's of? She scares me. She's too good looking. Nobody's that good looking. I'm not that good looking. Do you really think she was flirting with me? Her beauty comes from a very strange place. Have you noticed that? Places her beauty comes from weren't that strange to me. I can identify almost all of them. Don't do it, Casey. She's got an agenda. You think she wants a job on Sportsline? No, I think she wants to rule all of Metropolis. You've seen the job she does on West Coast Update. She's a very skilled producer. Of course she's skilled. She's Satan's handmaiden. She's not Satan's handmaiden. On the entire planet, have you ever seen anyone with eyes like that? Huh? She's a Stepford producer. I say she's a very nice person. I say she has no reflection. You are worrying about nothing. She wasn't flirting with me. I wasn't flirting with her. It's a well-oiled machine here. I don't want to see anything interfere with that. Did a high school girl from East Lansing run the Boston Marathon in 2.6 seconds? It doesn't sound right. Not as well-oiled as you think. I did have to look up Dally, by the way. <laughs> it's not time to dally with Sally. I was like, let me look up Dally. And in... I thought it might mean just, like, play around with. It legitimately means, like, dictionary definition, have a casual, romantic, or sexual liaison with somebody. Whoa. Like, dally means that. I have always also thought, like, you. It's just don't mess around, don't, don't goof around. I thought around it was, like, a, you know, like a 1920s uh, prohibition-era type of phrase that, that just meant, you know, horse around with. No, th th there's no pulling punches here. I really like that. That's almost poetic now that we find out don't dally with Sally means exactly what he means it to mean. I like that a lot. And I always use that also that follow-up line if I ever accidentally rhyme. I say, that was an unfortunate rhyme. That was an unfortunate rhyme. rhyme. <laughs> I really enjoy doing that. That's always a nice catch. But Dan is very concerned. And this, again, goes back to him being like Mr. Work, it seems like. He doesn't want things to get messed up on the show. He doesn't think you should uh, you should try to think of a non-swearing word so we don't get the explicit tag here. Pen in the ink? Pen in the go. company ink? Yeah, there you go. That works. That's much better. Does that work? Okay. I was going with the uh, don't blank where you eat, but I couldn't find it. Oh, words. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't dip the pen yeah. in company ink. Don't do it, he says. Even though he's been pushing pretty, or he will start pushing pretty hard for the, the Dana situation pretty soon. But 
Dan is upset. Doesn't want any dallying with sailing. We go to a commercial. We come back with some more computer problems. This is the payoff for the computer problems. As we have Natalie and Jeremy leaning over the computer. And Natalie wants Jeremy to fix it. Although he says, I don't really know what to do. You should call IT. But she says she wants him to do it. It's cute when he does it. It's nerdy when he does it. And he sort of tries to explain things. This is minus one SM trunk er. You should really call technical support. I like it when you fix it. It's so cute and nerdy. I could just lick you up. This is a serious computer problem. I don't want to fool around with what this. What does er mean? Call technical what support. What does er mean? It means a mistake. Is it Latin? It's English. It's ERR. It means error. Call technical minus support. Minus one SM trunk. What does it mean? Natalie. Come on. Just it means the truncation indicator alone is wider than the specified width. It probably also indicates a minus five type SCP, which is an invalid Q element. Okay. And it says minus 15 out of range. What does that mean? That means it's out of range. Oh, you're not doing this right. What the hell are we doing? Well, I thought we were having phone sex, but I guess you just weren't interested. We were having phone sex? Well, not phone sex, but whatever. We were having sex. I didn't even know. And frankly, it showed up in your performance. I wasn't having sex. I know that, Jeremy. I was sitting here having sex all by myself. You were having sex? Yes. Well, I think maybe you're not doing it right. I think this is a step past nerddom. I think this <laughs> this is getting into, like, fetish territory for Natalie. She's got, she's got a, a dark side to her, I think, more than anything. As adorable and cute as she comes off in a lot of these episodes, she's, uh... She's got a dark side, man. I love the. I think it's very funny. What does er mean? What does err mean? It means it's air. It means there's an air. Yeah, exactly. I love that whole thing. Like it's not all rocket science. And I, I really love. It's, it's a great parallel with the Casey Sally thing, where he's like, "We were having phone sex. I missed the. I missed no the whole idea. thing. Yeah, I had so no that's, idea. That's perfect, right there. I love the uh, huge computers too. What a, <laughs> what a nice blast from the past that uh, even Casey and Dan in the previous scene. Casey opens like opens up like this huge laptop. Oh god, yeah. Like this massive what I would assume is like a Macintosh laptop or something. It is huge. All the computers in this are gargantuan. It's back it's the pre flat screen. The monitors uh, are like the bulky. size. Yeah, you couldn't fit that in the back That's seat. It's like a like Magnavox a, television. A They're huge. So huge. I don't know how we lived with them for that long, <laughs> but it's uh <laughs> Did you have one of those in college, like the, the with the, the huge back end, like TVs with the huge? I mean, it would like carrying them up your the stairs to your dorm was like a workout in oh, and yeah. of itself. I had two of those in my dorm room. Tommy and I, wow, had two different TVs. Big time. <laughs> Don't ask why. Were you were you the room to hang out? We kind of were. Been, yeah. We were. We had uh, we got remnant carpet from a from like a carpet <laughs> store. We laid that out. We had our beds lofted up. We had a futon under one and under the other, two TVs and a fridge. And one was hooked up to PS2. The other one. Your 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 spot was the place to be at right. uh, Illinois State, man. It was all right. I yeah. mean, uh, it was about as comfortable as you can make like a ten by eight foot room. But you know, yeah, it was it was comfortable. Somebody stole my PlayStation my freshman year. Really? I had a PS2, and somebody stole my PlayStation. My I was God. really upset about that. I had a whole binder full of DVDs stolen from my apartment oh. when I was a junior. This was like. 200 DVDs that took years. That is to really run. frustrating. Yeah, Very I'm not saying it's the same as like some kind of. Uh, you know, art gallery, but uh, it takes a lot of time to, to cultivate those it things. Does. I was fuming. fuming. I, I'd be too. Still haven't rebuilt that collection. <laughs> but now no one uses DVDs anymore anyway, so I guess they would have become relics. Except we do. We do. For this particular podcast, we do. Thankfully, though, my Sports Night DVDs were not in there. <laughs> they were, <laughs> they right. were in their own, so otherwise we wouldn't be here right now. We go over to a new scene where Sally comes walking up to Isaac in the newsroom, just feeding him compliments. She is buttering this man up. There's a lot of uh, talk about his sharp suit. 
It might be one of those new suits that he just got after Shoe Money Tonight because he was He was measured. shrinking, yeah, that's right. Uh, and they walk into the office where she closes the door behind him. Pretty presumptuous of Sally to follow him into his office, close the door, but this is her This is her personality. She's, she's kind of cold-blooded, man. Very, like, she's very ambitious. Very forward. Um, and she flat out asks him. Are you quitting your job? No. You're not? No. I heard you were. You heard wrong. No, I keep my ear to the ground. I have no doubt about it. And I'm happy for Dana. She'll be glad to hear it. Can I be blunt? There's evidence to suggest that you're capable of it, yes. I think I'm the right person for the job. Whose job? Dana's job. Oh, Dana wants Dana's job. No, Dana's going to have your job. No, sadly, I'm going to have my job. <laughs> I want to executive produce sports night. May I give you my credentials? I see no way of stopping you. I've been executive producer of West Coast Update for 16 months. Our show has never failed to win its time slot. You're on at 2 a.m., Sally. Your competition is a Bonanza rerun and four guys making cheese. You can tell right away Isaac's kind of like, oh, dear God. He knows that, yeah, he knows oh, that I really don't want to have this there. conversation with this person. And Sally just hits him. I think I'm the right person for Dana's job. I think this whole back and forth is, is pretty great here as she kind of gives her credentials. Kind of Sorkinism right there. And uh, as, as Isaac continually shuts her down. As we speak, one of your LC wireframes is misprocessing data while two of your associate producers stand over the monitor attempting to have phone sex. God, please don't tell me which two. Just think about it. All right, my guess is it's Jeremy and Natalie. I love the, uh, we've never failed to win our time slot, but you're on at 2 a.m. Your competition is a Bonanza rerun in four guys making cheese. <laughs> and I think uh, really when like sports night is going on, and we see Isaac early, even like earlier in the show. There's always like something odd going on in the background, like on the TVs. Like it's mo- like it's monster truck that always follows uh, sp- uh, sports night. Uh, bowling is always going on. Actually, there's one scene in this episode where we see Isaac and the TV in the background has bowling on ESPN Ooh. at the time. So what are you really going up against at that point right now? <laughs> Uh, I also love the uh, Isaac's just so good in this in this whole scene. Yep. He, I just walked past two of your staff members having phone sex. He goes, I don't want to hear. It's just this guess that he says. Well, if I had to guess, I'd say Jeremy <laughs> and Natalie. And that, is that a dangling modifier kind of thing there I too? It, a little I bit. I think yeah. it could be, but it is. He's just so good at kind of. He's brushing her off, but he's still being pretty. He's being strong, but he's also being kind of silly at the same time. Yeah. And he'll definitely, you know, obviously later on in the episode, he really. Puts the hammer down on the but table, but you got to entertain really yourself here. during these, right? You got to you got to keep yourself slightly entertained while you're dealing with the 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 riffraff around you during a during a day like this. Oh, absolutely. Go to a new scene. We are in the uh, office. Dan and Casey are working on their script. Uh, the whole birds home to roost. I would say never, ever, ever would you ever say that. No, because the the phrase is chickens coming yeah, home to and, roost, and right? In case he gets corrected several times. He still wants to go with birds, which is just strange. To I don't. Me. I don't. Again, there's there are certain things about this dialogue at the beginning of the of these scenes in particular that I, that I'm with you. They, they just don't sit right with me. Why he knows idioms? He's a writer. He's he should know idioms like this. And why birds coming home to roost all of a sudden gets into his head? I have no idea why. I, I feel like if if it was something like. Uh, intensive purposes instead of intense and purposes one of those that people frequently screw up run with that all day sure but i don't think anyone on the planet earth has ever said birds, birds coming, coming over i don't think so either so they're discussing uh the script they get going and out of nowhere Dan says yoko oh no and he's just sort of decided that he's going to set casey up with her despite not knowing her uh we end up getting a little bit of a freudian slip here i wrote I, i'm so glad you wrote down freudian slip because so did i there it is where casey says you really think dana was flirting with me and dan catches it immediately but he doesn't seem to pursue it very much right yeah he sort of lets it slide but i think dan maybe is where he gets the idea big time 
putting his head right here because he kind of figures, oh, Casey is in this in the Dana, right? Everyone knows it at this point, yeah. And it's building forward. That's a nice uh, subtle touch, I think, by Sorkin too, by maybe not going after it because it's that's an easy right. branch, right? That's an easy branch to go walk onto and more fodder, a couple more pages, maybe a page of extra writing, but. That's just a seed. You know, we've, we, we talk about good writers planting seeds. I feel like that might be one right there. And obviously we're going to dive into this with those two in particular with Dana and Casey later in this episode itself. But I like that as a nice little seed as something that we could see as we uh, go forward. Dan's got some more arguments against Sally, which I think are pretty funny here as well. Sally is an alien. Do you understand me? <laughs> At night she peels off her body and lives on Steve Gutenberg's boat. A solid cocoon reference. With oh, that was a great cocoon reference. First of all, anytime you can bring Steve Gutenberg into the conversation is great. But when it's Gutenberg and it's a good movie, too, <laughs> now we're talking. Which, again, we don't always get those two at a cross-section, by the way. It's very difficult to, to nail one I, But I will say this. Can I, can I pull the curtain back a little bit again? Please do. I wrote down Caterpillar reference instead of cocoon. And oh. I knew what I was saying, but I wrote down Caterpillar for some reason. I have no idea why. That was really dumb. <laughs> That's all right. These things happen. These things happen. Well, now I can't yell at Casey for saying birds come home to roost when, <laughs> when I wrote down Caterpillar instead of cocoon. We get a new scene. We have a walk and talk with Casey and Dana, uh, and he starts to confide in her that someone was flirting with him, but he, he wasn't really sure, and she immediately knows, she knows. that it's Sally, which is she great. Knew. And then we get him into, do I flirt badly? And this is a really solid piece of work between the two of them right here. You're smoking. I'm sorry? The difference between you and Sally, you're smoking. I'm smoky? You're smoky. You're a lot of other things too, but you're smoky. I don't know what that means, but I like the sound of it. Tell me what it means. No, it's hard to translate. Try. You'll make a joke. We're flirting, it's okay. Are we really flirting or are you just pretending to be you flirting with me actually being me? You think I'm smoky? Classy, impressive, sexy. Was sexy going too far? It was fine. You're smoky. <sighs> Thank you. I got a couple questions for you. Yes, sir. First off, be honest with me. Have you ever dropped smoky on a woman before? You ever mm, used that? No. I wish, actually. I'm a little upset that I haven't, and I'm now out of opportunity to do so. So. I mean, you can call your wife smoky. I was just if, about if to say, she's going to get smoky a she's lot. She's going to get she, Yeah, throw, throw a smoky Lauren's way and see what happens. I think that'll be a good thing. But I've, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I've used it. And? I mean, I'm not going to say it was directly <laughs> why something happened to work out, but oh, it, was, it definitely I, worked. I or, literally started leaning forward. I wanted to hear like, <laughs> and then? It was part It was part of the process of, of flirting with somebody. Because, again, I don't think I'm a very good flirt. I think I'm pretty dumb when it comes to, I'm, I, you know what, I think the right word is dense. I'm kind of like Casey. I'm a little dense when it comes to flirting. All right. Were you good at? Were you, I feel like you might have been good at it. Uh, you're very, you're very, you you, you keep uh, conversations moving, and I feel like people gravitate towards that. I don't know if I'm all that. If I was ever all that good, I don't think I was ever. You don't very think good so? I don't know. A lot of we never, I, we never get to got to hang out because we knew each other in high school. We know each other as adults. We never really got to enjoy each other's company in college because we didn't go yeah, to the same college. We were a little separated, but I I wouldn't say that I was really at all. I don't know. Okay. I. I uh, Thinking about, like, did I have a line or did I have a move? No. Nothing like that. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't say I was my a line move guy. Was, my move was drink a lot of wine. <laughs> and because I was always told that, like, wine drunk was my best drunk because I just get happy and friendly. Sure, sure. So I'm sure, the you know, get a couple bottles of grapes in you. Everyone's charming. But <laughs> There's a great scene in one of the later seasons of The West Wing. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth was on it. And she's asking Toby about like Toby's trying to become the press secretary or like a, you know or whatever or he's having trouble being the press secretary and she goes how do you get women and he's like are we really having this conversation <laughs> and he, he goes listen smart and funny right 
you go with smart and funny. And I think that was your thing. You're yeah. smart. You're a funny guy. Well, and I and I think I'm. That's the only thing I got. <laughs> if I don't have that, I got nothing. It's. <laughs> they say to make you should always no make, no make girl no laugh. Right, right sure no woman's gonna call you or I Smokey. I think. Well, certainly not Smokey. Not me. <laughs> you maybe. Not I, right. I don't think so, pal. Next time you're on television and get one of these texts, <laughs> someone's gonna say, "Adam, you're looking smoky. You're looking smoky tonight." Speaking of smoky, I love how that wins Dana over. I love how she's so tough at the beginning. She props herself up on the yeah, desk yeah, yeah. and she's just like, "You idiot, flirt with me." Blah blah blah. And then he pulls that out and she just melts. That's that's the one. That's the line. And, and it's love, different. It's different. I really like the uh, classy, impressive, sexy. Was sexy going too far? <laughs> See, and that's something that that's a flirtatious way to speak to somebody. But I don't. I think that was just Casey. It comes off like that's just Casey naturally. But I can see somebody saying those three things and going, "Was that going too far?" Right. But the way Casey says it, it comes off as natural and kind of awkward charm. As Natalie comes in, Dana is straight up flustered. Yeah. Which is it's cool runs to see. runs into the uh, the table with like the tile. The one thing that <laughs> stuck out of the table was the Tylenol. <laughs> but it's like the table where you have water and stuff like that. Anchors do have that uh, behind the desk. Typically, they'll have like a little just like a little small table with water and apparently drugs if they, if they want and then you know they can throw a laptop on there or whatever but that's that's uh commonly there you know i've not thought about it until right this moment but i want to ask you while we're while we're on the subject here you're casey do you pursue dana or do you pursue sally who would you go after like if are you asking me if i were casey uh, i meant no i'm asking you if you were you, <laughs> if, you, oh, were if, you. I, if i were me let's go back and let me rephrase the question yeah no that's fine who do you prefer Oh, in, ter- in terms of in terms of people, well, like yeah. who, who's more appealing? We like, got kind of two potential love interests. Yeah, 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 now. yeah. Uh, I kind of, I hate to admit this. I hate. I really hate to admit this because Dana should be the answer, right? It should be the answer. Dana's class is those things. She's classic. She's impressive. She's sexy. She's in charge of uh, of everything. She's, she's confident. She's smoky. she's smoky. She is all those things, but. There's there's something that I appreciate about the cold-blooded, ambitious person, and I hate admitting that because I don't think I'm that person, but there's something appealing to me about that. Long-term, I think it has to be Dana. Short-term, it might be Sally. I think, I think right this moment I'm going to agree with you, but... Dana takes – sometimes I'm like, yeah, and sometimes I'm kind of like, mm, you know, I can I – can You're hot it. and cold yeah. a little bit? Yes. Okay. She's obviously the strong, independent woman. Sally seems to be just as independent and strong. She's very career-driven, but she doesn't necessarily seem to be as good at it. And maybe that's, <laughs> that's why true. That's why she's got more time to be kind of, you know, dallying all over the place. She, she, there is a lot of dallying for Sally. A whole lot of dallying. But I, don't know, I was just thinking about. I it. like that. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. You, yeah. you went outside the box a little bit. We there. got a few few more episodes with this going on. And, we and, can discuss, and, and you but. and I aren't typically like, uh, hey, which 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 chick do you like more? <laughs> and I hope it, it didn't sound like that. I don't think it did. I think we were really trying to break down what's appealing about these two women, about these two very strong, independent, career-driven, successful people. Yeah, because they they paint. I mean, they're obviously foils for one another, but they're also very similar. And that's why it comes down to me as being like, yeah, which one? Yeah, there, it's not like, oh, what are you like? You know, in Pulp Fiction, what's the what's the question? Are, are I think that, are you a Beatles guy, guy or an Elvis guy? Because yeah. they're so polar, op- they're such polar opposites of each other. I don't. You're right. I don't think that's the case with Dana and Sally. It's, they're very similar to each other. We'll think about it. We're gonna we're gonna marinate on that for the next few episodes, and we'll I like talk that. about it as they pop up. We get a new scene. We're back in Isaac's office. Dude is just working at that desk. Oh, He's got a lot of paperwork or something. And we get 
Kim and Elliot, two of my favorite characters who don't get enough time on screen. Agreed. But they come in arguing again over a promotion. I'm a team player, Isaac. Always have been, always will be. But everyone here moves up one notch, and you make this woman senior associate, I'll lead a mutiny, the likes of which will sink this show for good. But I love how passionate Elliot is about, do not, you don't you dare yeah, absolutely promote Kim over not. me. So our two minor characters even are getting into a tiff about who's going to get promoted, and Isaac has just had enough. He says, that's it. It pushes him over the edge. Everybody into the conference room right now, and as we go, uh, as we go walking through the, the uh, newsroom, he kind of drags everyone in, including Sally. I have a note that someone on their computer screen has a graphic of a soccer ball just sitting there. <laughs> just a random. Just like, a soccer ball. And it's not like even a, like a picture. It's like a, it's like a clip art of a soccer ball just sitting <laughs> dead center on the computer. Somebody like used Microsoft Paint to create a soccer ball and decided, you know, let's make this my, my desktop wallpaper for some reason. It's like a set director was like, we need something sports related. <laughs> soccer ball. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you see like a, like a teenage boy's room in a movie and it's always got like a basketball in the corner and there's like a baseball hat hanging from a shelf. It's all that classic set decoration where it's like, well, it gets pretty Guys, much. do we have a baseball glove? We got to put a baseball glove yeah. on the desk with a ball. We need a poster of what seems to be a band, but there's no name on it because you can't name a real band in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. In this case, they're like, mm, soccer ball on the computer screen. Why not? So he drags everyone into the conference room and gives them quite the talking to. This scene has one of my favorite Sports Night lines ever. Me too. And I didn't even remember that it was in this episode. That's Neither did I. Yeah, this is a si- I think you and I believe that this is a signature line in the series. And it's, I mean, we'll play it out first, but people are going to know what line we're talking about. Good evening. How are you all? Isaac. Oh, oh, who really gives a damn? My name is Isaac Jaffe. I run this place. Anybody else who runs this place, please raise your hand. Good. Couple of things. I am not quitting and I'm not getting fired, at least not today and probably not tomorrow. Let me add, Dana, that things that I say in my office stay in my office. Natalie's my, my second in command. She's the only one I told. Jeremy's my boyfriend. He's the only one I told. I told many, many people. <laughs> I told many, many, many people. people. <laughs> what a great... And, and, you know, it's not just the line, because it's a simple line. But the lead-up to it, and there's his deadpan, <laughs> perfectly Jeremy delivery by Joshua Molina on this, just killed me. It's like it just sunk into him that moment that, oh, I wasn't supposed to do that. I like the laugh track. On this too. On this, one. this one it fits because you know why? There aren't a ton of just drop dead hilarious lines. That's not what this show is about. This show is about subtlety and and interesting writing and just little things that kind of build up. This is one of those true sitcom slapstick. You'll always remember this line type of lines, and that's why the laugh track fits because we're all laughing. I think in the same way. It's got uh, it's got a lot of funny lines. This scene in particular needs that laugh track, I think, at least in terms of in this episode, it fits, like you said. I also love Dan as, as Sally tries to step up and says, you know, the 2 a.m., we've got nothing but respect, and Dan just says, He's talking about you, you freak. <laughs> and to which Isaac replies, thank you, Daniel. <laughs> like, like thank you for getting, thank you for letting her know because she was clearly. Busy. I think that's what he wanted to say to her right. back when she was in Isaac's office. I think Isaac wanted to say, "Get out of my right. office, you freak." I even spelled that out of my notes. You freak. You freak. Yeah. So good. So that scene ends, and we are getting ready to go into a new episode of of Sports Night, a new show. Uh, there's some moving around, some intense control room talk, which I, I made a note of because they're doing a lot of that. And I love seeing them do what they do. Yeah. We've said many times before. 
Uh, and Natalie and Dana are psyched about Smokey. They're really talking about, he really called you Smokey? Wow, wow, wow. And I love, <laughs> Jeremy, flirt with me or say something like that to me in Jeremy's response. Am I Smokey? You better believe it. I'll tell you what else you are. You are a slow drink of whiskey. And right into, say some computer things right now. <laughs> she gets so fired up. And Dana has to se- basically has to separate the two as well. Uh, have you ever heard the term or the, I guess the phrase, uh, how good of you to come to tea? No. I never heard that either. How good of you? No. I mean, I guess it's like, hey, thanks for joining the party. I assume that's right. what it means, right? No, well, I'm how not. good of you to join the rest of us, but I've what never heard it. So I'm either having before. deja vu from watching, because I watched this episode like two weeks ago. I'm either having deja vu to that, or I did just see it like days ago, and I don't remember what it's from. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's say no. This is another uh, phrase that's not a phrase that they love to get thrown in there. I mean, I guess if you want to coin it, he's coined it, if nothing else, I guess. I guess he's already coined Smokey, and he's there already coined go. Slow Drink of Whiskey. So <laughs> <laughs> that's another one I feel like I should use. We go up to the desk, and Dan is upset with Casey about going out on his own, not taking Dan's lead. Something I love about Dan Rydell, with both Jeremy a few episodes ago, and right now, he's like, I'm the guy you should come to for this, but he clearly has no idea necessarily what he's doing, because with Jeremy, he didn't have advice on that particular situation. And with Casey, he's recommending Yoko Ono, and saying, (laughs) also, avoid this, this very sexy, ambitious woman, who, I mean, seemingly would be a very good fit for Casey, but he's also like, you stay away from her just because he thinks she's a vampire or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know if he actually has any... Re- and that's the one thing, too. And and obviously, we'll get, we'll get there. It's going to happen in these next several episodes. But we don't see much about Dan's uh, association with women other than what? At the end of uh, Boogie Shoes when he brings in the volleyball player into the office. Other than that, we don't really know much about Dan it's in true. terms of his relations with he, women. He's going to get a couple of relationships. But in terms of like being some guy who's out there on the prowl... Not so much. No. At least he doesn't seem to be, right? Aside it doesn't from, seem like that, yeah. Volleyball player. And, may, and maybe he is, and maybe the, we're supposed to pick up on that in some way. Like, oh, well, Dan's the swinging single guy, and that's why he's giving this advice. We just haven't seen that established a whole lot for me to buy into right. it that way. He is the cool guy. He's we the know, cool guy, We know sure. that. So yep. presumably, and then later on, he gets recognized. I mean, you know, season two stuff. He gets recognized for being, hey, you're on TV. Or yeah, whatever. of course. So yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure it happens. You know, Stan Rydell. He's a stud. At the end of this episode, we get a second Those Stories Plus. There are some episodes we don't really get that, get one at all. And we got two in this episode. We got a twofer. We got a twofer in this one. Making up for the missed Those Stories Pluses. But always good to hear that phrase. Good evening from New York City. I'm Casey McCall alongside Dan Rydell. Those Stories Plus, a Major League Baseball trade that brought some birds home to roost. And I have my last note for the episode. Is as we're fading away, more of that kind of cinematic Robert Berlinger. Yep. We're pulling back. The, and I love that shot. Elliot comes waltzing up and says, So, what's this I hear about you and Yoko Ono? <laughs> and Casey goes, Move along. <laughs> and just brushes him off. There are these great little fade outs. Uh, when, and, and you've talked about this too, where the episode will kind of end, but the world doesn't stop. You know, the world keeps on going beyond what we see for this, you know, 25 to 30 minutes or whatever it is. And uh, I like these little fade outs and I like the cinematic. We didn't get a lot of cinematic shots uh, in terms of moving on the camera, but we did get a little bit of it in the conference room where, you know, Jeremy delivers that, you know, many, many people line. There's like a bit of a cinematic kind of framing job to it, but there's not a whole lot like we saw in Berlinger's previous episodes. So there's not a ton of sweeping camera movement except for this last one. This is a really cool, nice pan out, you know, back out and zoom out kind of kind of shot tracking away from everything that's going on. Like you said, it, it keeps us it reminds us that the episode's done, but this world keeps on moving. 
this is an episode that I think, for the most part, served as as table setting for more episodes to come. Yeah. Because if you think about stories getting moved, not much. We don't get much talk about, let's see, what our big season arcs so far have been. Not too much mention of Gordon. Not any mention of Gordon, I don't think. Not in this one, no. No real development with anyone doing anything new, necessarily. Not a huge continuation with Isaac's, uh, you know, a little bit of the, the six Southern Gentleman, but this kind of feels like a palate cleanser. Yeah, it's kind of like... This I mean, is we're, the, we're yeah. about midway through the season, right? It's episode 12. We're about midway through. They're kind of building up to those big storylines, which are, are starting to come. We've already got the foundations up. But this one's kind of just like a, yeah, palate cleanser is a good way to describe it. It's just a little like, you know, take a break, get a couple chuckles in there, and we're going to get move, ready to move into some new stuff. And the next few episodes, the arcs in some of these episodes are really, really good. Some of my favorite episodes coming up from this season in particular little trivia fact for you the last shot of the control room in this episode is the screen grab that we use for our logo on on itunes that's right so that's kind of a nice little hey it's all coming home now it's coming home to roost those birds are which by the way another note casey did say birds in the intro yeah he does he's stuck with birds which i'm again i'm not i don't i don't i don't like that bizarre (laughs) just bizarre and so that about does it for Smokey. Next time, episode 13, Small Town, which is one that I can tell you about and I love. And the first episode, I think, where we leave the office. We we're, not, we're, not in the, we're not in the studio. We're not in somebody's office anymore. We actually get to go into the outside world. And all of this leaves Natalie at the controls for a show, for an entire uh, show of Sports Night. I'm looking forward to it. We get some nice, awkward double dating with Casey and Dana. We get the first appearance of Lisa Edelstein as Bobby Bernstein, which is a great character. Bobby Bernstein is going to show up for the first time, so and it's a, a good one. it's a great back and forth. And we'll try to bring in a guest or two as well, because we'd love to figure out what goes through the mind of somebody when they're trying to break news, because that's the big story for Natalie as a professional. She's trying to break news, confirm news. When this stuff pops up, how do producers, how do reporters, how do people that are in this deal with that? I've done it in very small, I would say, capacities. My job isn't to be a news breaker. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a reporter. I just call games. But sometimes there are news items that are germane to what we are doing. But our job is not necessarily to break that news. It's to find it, gather it and present it when the time is right on air during the game when it's germane to it. These people, their their job is to give you the most up-to-date breaking news possible. So we'll bring in a couple of guests to, to get some quick insight on that. Looking forward to it. Small town next time. Until then, you can follow us online just about everywhere at Those Stories Pod. Check out and download episodes at the website, thosestoriespod.weebly.com. You can also download and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. If you are so inclined, please do give us a, a rating. Uh, we, we haven't actually asked for those uh, in the past or anything like that, but I, I was listening to some podcasts the other day, and they're like, hey, give us a good rating. It'll help it us out. You know what? If, if you like it, do us a favor. Uh, feel free to give us a, a nice rating or leave a comment on, uh, on iTunes as well for us. But uh, we really do appreciate all the downloads and all the listens so far. It's been uh, great to keep delivering these episodes to you, and we'll keep on doing it. So until next time, alongside Anne Ramin, I'm Steve Cimino. Thank you for listening to Those Stories Plus. <laughs>